Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through the Lawyerist Lab and Accelerator. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast host. I'm Laura Briggs. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 307 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, I'm talking with Laura about why clarity, vision, and values are more than just team building and uh, gushy things. Today's podcast is brought to you by Termageddon, Law Pay, Text Expander, and Back Office Betty's. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. So stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. So Laura, today we have this jam-packed episode with just a ton, I think, a ton of great information about, you know, thinking about how you improve your business and like some of the first steps that we think you need to take. But I thought maybe, because I know what's going to happen is the, the pushback that I always hear is, but Stephanie, I don't have the time to work on my business. So I I think we need to tackle that. Oh, I think that's so important. It's got to be the number one excuse for why so many things don't get done. And I think we're all guilty of it too, right? Like I've definitely used that as my excuse for things. So how do we respond to that? You know, how do we really start to think about that in a new way when we go, hey, my default reaction is, yeah, that sounds good, but I don't really have time. Yeah. I mean, part of me wants to just say, stop doing that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It could be that easy. I I think so. I mean, on the one hand, like you are going to keep yourself trapped in this circle that you have gotten yourself trapped in uh, until you break it. Right. I I can't break it for you. I can give you some tools and we'll and we'll talk about that and I can give you some some help along the way. But at the end of the day, I need you to finally realize and and decide that your business is is important enough that you're ready to make the investment. And if you don't change something, it's never going to change. You're always going to be like this. I feel like the fact that- It sounded harsh. No, it, it doesn't. You know, I used to have a yoga teacher who would say that whenever someone told her, oh, I just don't feel like yoga today. I'm so stressed out. I have so much anxiety. She's like, that is exactly the day you need to come to yoga. She's like, the second that you say that is the sign, right? And so I think it's the same with time. If you start feeling yourself saying things like, oh, I don't have the time to do that. I'm too busy. I have too much client work going on. That in itself is the problem, right? Because there's probably some things you can fix in the firm. Maybe it is time to hire another attorney to help you with the work. Maybe it's time to outsource some of the marketing to a contractor to handle it. It's probably that you've taken on too much and are not feeling like you have time to do anything else because you've created it that way and haven't explored another option. Yeah. I mean, Whenever a law firm owner especially comes to me and is like, hey, I think I need some like time management or productivity tips because I just can't get it all done. I stop. I'm like, my strong suspicion (laughs) is that you are actually you don't you're not screwing around all day. Right. Like you actually probably don't need time management tips. I mean, maybe some things could help your day here and there and you could, you know, refine some things. You probably just have too much or the wrong things on your plate. And so the first thing I always say is like, we got to fix your focus. Like you have to, you're, if you're the business owner, you have to make your business a priority. And so we have to get some other stuff off your plate two or three hours a week at least so that you can 
do and fulfill the role, a very important role, maybe your most important role. Yeah. One of my other favorite statements is stop shoulding all over yourself. I hear this all the time. Well, yeah, I should do that. And then I saw this other person do it. So I really should also do that. And you put all this pressure on yourself for all these things that you feel like you should do, but maybe you don't actually need to do or could be done faster by somebody else. So the first step is really recognizing that you need to spend that time working on your business. And the fact that you don't have time is in itself a red flag that you desperately need the time to step back and start looking at things and you can make improvements. Like you don't have to live on that hamster wheel forever. Yeah. And if you're looking for the why here, cause I'm very, you know, I'm a big fan of when you're clear on the why the how will come. We do this weird thing as lawyers. I've, I've talked about this before where, because we have this billable hour, which everyone knows I hate and I think it's stupid. It's time to kill it. That's another episode. Um, <laughs> But we've done this thing in our heads where we think that if something's not billable, it means it's not valuable. And so I actually had someone just recently say to me, like, you know, if I'm not working on client matters, like I'm losing potential revenue. And that's such a stupid trap to get yourself into, in my opinion, because if I could if I said to you, if we spent two hours a week building out things that would 10x your business, like, would that be valuable to you? Mm hmm. Yeah, of course. And I think that would be true for so many attorneys because if you're stuck doing the same things over and over again and you're stressed out and all you're doing is the client work, that's the foreseeable future too. Like there's not going to be a time at which it gets better. That's just always going to be the cycle that you fall back into. So taking that time out and not just seeing it as lost time from creating revenue or marketing and getting new clients, but as some of the most valuable time you can spend in your business is really important for reframing that. Yes, yes, yes. And by the way, you need time away from your business and from stuff because that's where the big ideas happen. Like, you know that I was on vacation last week and I mean, you never really leave the the work behind. I mean, I wasn't on my computer at all, but I had like I was in the park with my daughter and I just had like, I don't know. I mean, I think they were brilliant, you know, genius thoughts, but your brain keeps working. And I came I came back to work this week energized and refreshed and clear, as you know, on what I wanted to do. And like, I'm sure the team is just kind of like slow down, Stephanie, because I've been doing lots of stuff this week. But remember that too, as you're building out time to work on your business, that also includes time for you to be away and time for your brain to restore and to have those big thoughts because that's where they come from. I love all of this and it ties in so well to what we talked about in this episode because making time for these things that are critical and foundational pieces of your business can take you a long way. So now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Hans and Donata from Termageddon and then my conversation with Stephanie. Hey, y'all. This is Zach, the legal tech advisor here at Lawyerist. And today I'm talking with Hans and Donata from Termageddon. Hans, Donata, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Now, Termageddon, for the uninitiated, is an application that not only tracks privacy laws throughout the country, but helps users keep these policies and terms on their websites up to date, right? That's right. And I don't think anyone Uh, could be more excited to talk about privacy policies or listen about privacy policies. This will be the most exciting conversation 
about privacy policies anyone can have. <laughs> that, that's a good point. But, I, you know, our listeners do want to know about these things and they've got um, they've got clients that need to deal with these. So, you know, I, I think the, the obvious question here is why is this important to the average lawyer? Sure. Um, so as an average lawyer, you're probably writing privacy policies in terms of service for your clients. Even if you don't offer that as a service, if your um, client's website collects personal information, such as names, emails, or phone numbers through, for example, a contact form, your clients might be legally required to have a privacy policy. So it's something that you should advise your clients about um, when it comes to their regular business formation, applying to do business in different states, getting business licenses. It's a great thing to talk to them about um, because it is a legal requirement that is often overlooked. And so you guys are creating a way, your application is kind of a platform for attorneys to organize this and to help their clients deal with with these sorts of things, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, So I'm a lawyer myself. And before I started Termageddon, I would write privacy policies for my clients. And to be honest with you, it was probably the most boring part of my job. (laughs) I had to ask my clients the same questions, figure out what privacy laws apply to them, write disclosures, and make sure that policy keeps up to date with different privacy laws that are coming into effect now. And it was a very tedious process, um, and it was a very time-consuming process. So here at Termageddon, we make sure that that process is no longer tedious or as time-consuming as it was before by taking you through a series of questions and then creating a privacy policy that is customized to your answers. And we also keep track of privacy laws for you. So when a new privacy law is passed, we send you an email with updated language as to what that privacy policy should say to make sure that it includes all of the proper disclosures with the new laws. And Donata, you're you're certified internet privacy professional, right? Certified information privacy professional, yes. I get that wrong every single time. <laughs> so you guys keep these things up to date. And and I guess, you know, since last time we talked, has has the law changed? Yeah. Um, so it's a great illustration of how quickly these things change. Um, since the last time we spoke, California passed a new privacy law, uh, the California Privacy Rights Act, which amends the California Consumer Privacy Act. So it requires new disclosures to be made in a privacy policy. And Canada has also proposed a new privacy bill that increases the rights that consumers get and also requires updates to a privacy policy. And that one even actually allows consumers to sue businesses directly for privacy law violations, meaning that we're probably going to see a huge increase in litigation since Canada's privacy law doesn't just apply to businesses located in Canada, it can also apply to businesses located in the United States as well. Well, that's pretty good to know. And so if I had just gone out and, you know, copied and pasted somebody's privacy policy from somebody else's privacy policy and put it on my client's, you know, website, I'd still have to make these changes right now. And and you guys facilitate the the making of those changes. Not not only do you do it right the first place, but you facilitate the making of those changes uh, pretty easily. That's correct. Yeah, I think um, I think the era of copying and pasting privacy policies is is dying quickly, um, right. and that is because you know, as we mentioned, within the last thirty days, there's been two uh, big privacy updates. Um, the fact is, is that a privacy template um, or copying and pasting a template is a high risk endeavor because what is to say that this disclosure is lined up with whatever privacy law you actually need to comply with. Right. And a key component of our generator is figuring out what privacy laws a website needs to comply with and then 
asking the respective questions related to whatever privacy laws need those, um, what, whatever needs those disclosures. Um, but yes, you, you hit on a key component, which is the fact that a privacy policy that you draft for a client could need an update within a month. Mm-hmm. It can need an update within a year. It, you know, and it, it's it's a it's a changing dock um, that has to be understood that way um, uh, because websites collect personal information very often from people across state lines, and when another state passes a new bill, you know that website may need to comply with that li- uh, privacy law as well. Um, so yeah, not only do privacy policies need to adhere to the respective privacy laws that actually that business needs to comply with, but there has to be a strategy to keep it up to date when the laws change. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with Termageddon. That's great. And so um, a- attorneys themselves, in order to to get connected with this, they can go to termageddon.com and they scroll all the way down to the bottom and go to Law Firm's Partners page because you guys have set up a way for attorneys to offer essentially your services to their own clients. That's right. Exactly, yeah. So um, we issue lawyers a free license. So when you sign up, you'll get a free license so that you can test it out and make sure that it's proper, make sure that it has all of the required disclosures that your clients need. And you can use that policy to protect your own website. Um, And then we offer a way for um, attorneys to purchase licenses and generate uh, policies for their clients. And then you bill your client the respective amount that it takes you to review the policy um, and make sure that it's correct for your client. And then every time the law updates, um, you can also bill your clients for that update as well, because you are making sure that the update is proper for your clients too. And do you want to speak about the customization feature of it too? Sure. Um, So when you generate your policies, you get a lot of different choices. Um, So for example, one of the choices that we allow you to make is whether you want to offer privacy rights from residents of that particular state, or if you want to offer it to everyone that visits the website. So there are a lot of different customizations available. Um, But when you're reading the privacy policy itself, if you want to make any changes, we have a feature um, that allows you to override any of the text that was written by us to any text that you would like. And because the policy comes with something called an embed code that goes onto your client's website, whenever you make changes from your Termageddon account, those changes are automatically pushed to your client's website. So you don't have to contact their IT or your website people. Um, you can just make all of your updates from the Termageddon dashboard directly. That's fantastic. And they can get set up on a Termageddon dashboard, uh, again, by going to termageddon.com, scrolling all the way down to the bottom and selecting the law firm partners page. Hans, Donata, thank you for, for being with me again. It, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. it's Stephanie here and today I'm ready to state claim to what I think is the number one most important thing you need to know as a business owner. I am so excited to talk with you about this because we have lots of conversations with community members, with lawyerist lab members, and this comes up a lot. And I think it's really easy to breeze over the number one most important thing you need to have. So why don't we start off there? What is it? Unveil the big secret. Yeah, we won't hide, won't bury the lead too much. This was my big epiphany in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, so here is the deal. It's clarity, right? Like you need to be clear about what it is you're building, where you're headed, 
and then how you're going to move your team forward to get there. Yeah, I absolutely do agree because it informs every other decision, right? I think a lot of times we talk to people who are struggling with their law firms and a lot of it is because they're so busy in the doing of things. They're getting new clients and they're working on cases and they're closing out cases and they're hiring staff. And it's so easy to get into that day to day that you forget about this being part of that bigger picture. And all of it gets informed by that bigger picture. You know, what are we working towards? What is most important to us? And that clarity, it will feel like everything is off if you don't have that one element. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about like, how valuable is it to have an organization or a team? I mean, like I recently watched the, um, that Michael Jordan documentary, or I know it wasn't just on Michael Jordan. It was on the whole Bulls team. Um, and so the sports people out there are like, get it right, Stephanie. But this team was like hyper-focused, right? Like they had one goal. Like te- you see this in professional sports. Like their goal is to, you know, win the championship ring, right? And so they they can be super-focused and they know that's exactly what we're moving towards. And and the same exists for our business. I mean, I, w- I was been thinking about it. Like sometimes, I know this is going to sound dumb, but when you remember why phrases exist, like the reason we say that you have laser sharp focus is because a laser is like, can cut a diamond, right? It's just a light source, but it's so concentrated and focused that it can do powerful things. And I think that that exists for our organizations too. When we are clear at the top as leaders, as the business owners, why the organization exists, what is our purpose? What are we trying to do? And then we can get the whole team involved in it. We can do powerful things and move really fast and make things happen. And your use of the word clear made me think of a great book that highlights this, which is James Clear's Atomic Habits. He talks a lot about how it does often come up in sports, but it works just as well in business where there were a lot of sports teams that were looking to beat their competition and maybe they didn't have as many resources, maybe the raw talent, they didn't feel like it was as strong as other teams that were out there, but they chose to focus in on what is the one thing we can get really, really, really good at that could be the thing that puts us over the edge. And that ended up being a big win for a lot of them. And it was that clarity. It was everybody working together towards that same goal. And I think some of the frustration I've had lately, like people will come to us and I'll be talking to lawyers and they'll say, you know, what I need is accountability. And I don't know why I'm a little hung up on that phrase right now, but but I've been thinking about it. And I was like, do you though, do you really need accountability? I think what you need is is clarity. Like you, I see them and you talked about like the always doing, right? So there's some people who are just like spinning out of control, just doing everything, but they don't know what the things they're doing are moving them towards that bigger goal. Then there's people out there who are just stuck. Like they don't even know what to do next. They're just kind of, you know, I don't know, they're like paralyzed and they lack the confidence and they're always questioning and there's this doubt. And it's like that, like that, that muck can keep them up at night because there's like, I, I don't know what to do next. Or like you said, there's just people just going through the motions and they're just doing what they've always done. They're focused on being a lawyer and they never pull back and, and get that clarity. And so then they wonder why is nothing in my business changing? Like I'm doing all these things, but it's because they don't have the clarity. And then as a result, they're not doing the right things. And I think a lot of times we mistake that accountability for the real need of clarity, because maybe you don't feel connected to the things you feel like you need to do because they're not aligned with your vision and where you want to take the firm. And so then it does just feel like, well, I need to do these projects. They're on my to-do list. I've heard I need to do this, but it's not personally connected to you where you have a stake in it, where you have buy-in on doing that thing. And so 
you can kind of address two things at once. If you're thinking it's accountability that you need, it's really more about aligning the clarity with the accountability. And that's where you can really start to go somewhere. Yeah. Love that. And I think, I mean, you see this a lot too, right? Like people come to you with for marketing help and they get so focused, hyper-focused on the tools mm-hmm. and the things they think they need to do. And you're often like, well, wait a minute, why, why are you even focused on this? Like we have to pull back first before we can get super focused on executing. Yeah. you. This is something that it's very easy to say, oh, I I don't really need that, or sure, let's spend five minutes talking about it. But it really does impact every project you're doing, every hire you make, all the meetings that you have. What is the purpose of it? And you're right. Sometimes we have these calls and someone's like, all right, tell me about this platform or this tool that I've heard about. And my first question is always, why do you want to use it? What are we trying to accomplish here that you think this is the solution? Because maybe we're jumping too far ahead to try to pick the thing that can do something, but we have to figure out the clarity of what are you trying to accomplish? And then we'll get to the tools and the systems to do it second. But the clarity of why you're doing it and what you're trying to achieve has to be there to pick the right things and also to measure if it was successful, right? If you don't know what you're aiming towards, how are you going to look back on it and go, this worked or didn't work and here's why? You have to be really, really clear about that. And we're just going to say it right here. Like We think this is so super important that anyone who joins Lab from here on out and a bunch of people who are in Lab currently are probably going to go back like, We are going to insist that you stop. And when you join lab, you spend the first couple of weeks or however long it takes you while you're with us to be super clear on this foundational work. And and we're going to insist that you focus on your business vision and values because it's not busy work, right? Like this is going to be the foundational work that we use for everything we do with you in your business going forward. And so we have to make sure that it's good and it's solid. And that's what I want to talk about next because I'm really, I'm on a like (laughs) war path here to kill vision statements. I mean, let me be clear, not to kill the concept. Like I want people to have vision statements. I just want them to have good Mm -hmm. vision statements. Like I'm ready for them to actually work and and be the effective tool that they were designed to be. Because somewhere along the way, these things have gotten, I don't know, silly. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. Obviously, there is right and wrong here when it comes to creating a vision statement. What should a vision statement really do? Yeah. So here's the deal, guys. This is not a slogan. This is not a tagline. It's not your marketing pitch. It is so much more than that. And and that's where I get you know, the most frustrated. So, so what we want this thing to be is a framework. It is the guideposts. It's the framework that you're going to use for all your future business decisions. I like that really simple, clear, easy to understand. So what kind of business decisions are we talking about when you have a vision statement? Because I think a lot of times people don't want to create it or they create a fuzzy one because they're like, yeah, it's like a thing that we have in a document in a binder somewhere that someone flips by in HR, you know, on someone's new onboarding day. Why is it so important to connect it to these other decisions that you make? So if it's done correctly, and we're going to, I'm going to give you some examples of bad ones here in just a second, but if we do a good one, then every decision we make in our business should tie back to it, right? So it should be the, the reason when we go to make hiring decisions or firing decisions or, or even like how we're going to approach our work and how we approach our business operations or what steps we're going to take to grow. Everything that we do in our business should have a purpose and, and should tie back ultimately to that vision statement. So sometimes it's easy for me to use my husband as an example. So his business, a lot of you know, is he's a craft beer distributor. 
So if his vision is to build the, you know, it, it has to do with craft beer, then if he comes to me and says, hey, I got a new product opportunity, we can sell bottled water now. Like, what am I going to say to him? Well, what does our vision say about that? Like, how does this idea that you have and, and what you want to sell, this new product, tie back to what we put in our vision statement? So that's just like a silly example, but I wanted you to see where these things can tie together. No, I think they do tie together because a lot of small firm and solo lawyers are entrepreneurial and people who have that entrepreneurial tendency, there's no shortage of ideas or opportunities, right? There's so many things you can do. In fact, that's one of their biggest strengths is being able to spot opportunities. And sometimes if it's not aligned with your vision statement, you can kind of go off on the wrong path and distract your focus from what you really said you wanted to achieve. So where do most vision statements go wrong? Well, I think that they just, they don't give us the information that we actually need, right? They don't answer the ultimate question. So like I said, I've been on a little bit of a, <laughs> a kick on this lately. So I did this Google search yesterday of law firm vision statements. And I was so happy because I hit on exactly what I was expecting because I've, I've done this work just so you, people know, like I have walked law firms, over a hundred law firms through the process of creating a vision statement. And so I see, and I can tell you that where most firms start, where they want to end up is something that looks like this. To be the leading, trusted, and reliable law firm by excelling for our clients at every level. <laughs> okay. Or, I know, <laughs> I know, I've got a few more. This is a favorite too. You know, we're going to serve as the state's leader in the field of fill in the blank, you know, we'll put in employment and labor law, right? Or... We're the go-to counsel for your business's legal needs. Like these are actual examples that I got. And by the way, these were also written by someone on how to write a <laughs> great vision statement for lawyers. So I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you for proving my point. Because I did, um, I was working with a group of, of lapsters on this yesterday. And luckily I had teed it up for them where they also laughed when I started reading <laughs> them. Because <laughs> I was like, you guys, what in the world? Like this tells us nothing. Like what does it mean to be the leading trusted and reliable law firm by excelling for our clients at every level. Like what, how can I use that as a framework for my business going forward? Mm -hmm. I think it's really just too vague too, because of course it's a lofty thing that it's kind of implied, right? Like, of course you want to do a great job for your clients. Of course you want to be recognized as a leader in the practice areas that you work in, but there's no real way to measure that. There's no real way to get other people on board. And how on earth do you tell when you have achieved that, right? Like it's just such a vague thing that you feel like you're constantly striving towards this vision that was never clear enough in the first place to give you the roadmap to get where you want to go. Yeah. And here's here's the other thing, guys, if, if this isn't obvious to you, how you define the standard for excellence as a lawyer is completely different than how other people defined it. Like I actually started working through this the other night and I asked my husband like, hey, what do you think it means to be an excellent lawyer? <laughs> and at first he looked at me like, why are, why are you asking me this? Is this a trick question? I was like, no, like I'm, I'm really curious. And he was like, I don't know, you win at trial? And I was like, okay, yeah, I could see that. When I worked for a big firm, I don't think that's how we would have defined it. Like our mantra was sort of to put every resource available towards our client's case, you know, and we would, we were going to throw everything we could at a solution. And that's what it meant to be excellent. I had another lawyer that I worked with. I think he would tell you like, 
it was like demolish the other side. Like that's how you, you know, <laughs> that we, we all have heard the idea of the bulldog lawyer. And there are some people who would tell you that that's what it means to be excellent. But there's other people who would say it's to be the smartest or maybe the most credentialed. Like I went to the best law school and I've had the best resume. And so that means I'm an excellent lawyer. Yeah. Those are all really good points. So you have to be thinking about what does that mean for you? What is your definition of it? So hang with us. This is such a good conversation. We'll come right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay, as the ability to accept payments online becomes an increasingly essential part of your practice, LawPay provides your firm with a proven and trusted solution. With LawPay, you receive a simple, secure way to accept client credit cards and e-check payments from anywhere. LawPay understands the unique compliance requirements placed on attorneys, which is why their solution was developed specifically to correctly separate earned and unearned fees and protect IOLTA accounts from any third-party debiting, giving you peace of mind that your transactions are always handled correctly. To learn more or to get started, visit lawpay.com lawyerist today. Get it right every time. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep legal happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current, work faster and smarter, keep the whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language, and share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Lawyerist podcast listeners get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com podcast to learn more. Support for today's episode comes from Back Office Betty's, the only virtual receptionist service exclusively dedicated to small law firms that offers a plan with unlimited calls. Their highly specialized service boasts customized call handling, relentlessly friendly team members, and unmatched quality. The Betty's are ready to help you grow your firm even when you're out of the office. Visit backofficebetty's.com lawyerist to try them out for one week free. Use the promo code PODCAST to receive $150 off your first month. Okay, so we started talking about some of the ways that vision statements go wrong. Let's go and talk a little bit about how that connects to clients, right? Because at the end of the day, that's really what this is about. So what is the connection between the vision statement and clients that goes beyond some of those vague examples we just went through? I think if this is answering your question, like some of what we see in some of the work we're doing with lawyers is this idea of what they're trying to create goes so much further than just being excellent, right? Like we have people who are like, hey, I want to work collaboratively with my clients. I want to determine on the outset what a win looks like for them. And then I want to work with them on creating that strategy of how we can accomplish that win in a budget and a time frame that works for them. That is mind-blowing for some people. But that like that's a vision statement that I can start to get behind, right? That's the start. It's not the conclusion, but that's the start of a picture that's like, oh, cool. Like I see what it is that business wants to do. They do want to practice law differently. For them, what that means is 
a collaborative approach with the clients that talks through budgets and systems and a process on the front end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it has to be driven by who you serve and how you serve them. So what other ways can we break this down to help people start noodling on what does their vision statement look like? Yeah. So I think you just hit on the first point. Like obviously one component is that idea of who we serve and how we serve them. And and really, what does that mean? Like, don't stop at your first sentence, right? Like the conclusory, um, when I was in law school, I uh, first year lawyer, I remember they were like, the first inclination in law school is that you answer it with one fact. And then you have to like, to get bonus points on your test, you have to come up with like three or four or five, you have to kind of keep digging, right? That why, why else do you win? Um, and so that's what we had to do with our vision statement. So like, what does it mean if you say, oh, we meet our clients where they are. I love that one. That's another one. Like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, or does it mean, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like these statements are out there. I always love like, we care. No, we really care. I'm like, come on, people, let's do better. Like, I don't even, I don't know. But so the, that's the first component is, is what does it really mean what you're trying to say and how you help your clients and, and really try to be specific. By the way, if I haven't already said this, I don't think vision and, and lawyerists, by the way, we don't think vision statements have to be one or two sentences. Yeah. So I'm not looking for, again, this isn't a marketing slogan. This isn't necessarily a tagline. This is a document a tool, a framework that you're going to use to make decisions for your business. And so it might be a page or two pages long because I want to pick it up and read it and I want to see, oh my God, that's what you're trying to create. Yeah. Cool. That's, you know, like inspired. I want to get, I want to work for you. I want to be on that team. And so the client service is a component of it, how we serve the clients, a component of it. But then we also want to think about like in terms of the company, like what is this company going to look like in terms of like, how, how big is it going to be? Is it going to be um, a model where you have a core team of all-stars and it's supplemented by remote contract workers who allow you to scale up or down as work demands? You know, what kind of culture is this team going to have? You know, how are the team members going to function and what's what's your role going to be? What do the managers of this team look like? Are they well-trained and in management theories and always looking to improve, you know, some people talk about wellness or, you know, another fun term, the, um, what is it? Uh, family life mm -hmm. balance, that yeah. word work life balance, <laughs> work life balance. Yeah. Those things. I mean, again, what the hell does that mean? So like be specific. I want a place where, um, I mean, if your vision of a business is that you want a place where your team comes together every morning and does group yoga followed by meditative moment, say it. I mean, that's awesome. Cause then guess what? You're going to attract other team members who also like the idea of doing group yoga with a meditative moment every morning. Like you're building this business. It can be whatever you want, but you have to be willing to stake a claim and say, this is what I want. I love that you're talking about all of these different things that all go beyond just the revenue that you hope to create, right? Because that is so frequently used as a goal and as the end post of, well, we will have hit success when we achieve this number in revenue or this much in profit. And it's about so much more than that. Yeah, that's a component of it, but the vision has to be stretched into these other areas of who you have on the team, what does it look like, what is the culture, what kind of clients do you serve, and how do you do it? So I think that's really important for people to consider the whole big picture of all the things that can go into your vision statement, and it's easy for you to see how that could be one or two full pages once you really dig in. Yeah, I mean, it's like the eulogy. Have you ever done one of those, you know, if you go to these 
growth seminars and things, they always have you like write write your eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that? I have not, but I have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, imagine you're at your own funeral, and and what would people say about you? Yeah. Well, this in a way is is like doing that exercise for your company, right? So companies don't really die, or hopefully <laughs> they don't die. So there's not really a funeral, but pretend you're in the future, and you know you're writing a letter to a loved one. And you're describing this amazing thing that you've created. You know, what are you going to be proud of? What are you going to be happy to brag about uh, about this thing? And and I hope that what you're hearing is that it should also be like fun and exciting. Like it should inspire you. Like if if that's the piece of of who you are, it should connect with you and your personality. And you, I mean, I want you to read this thing and be like, hell yeah, this is great. This is what I'm building. This is going to be the coolest thing. And whatever that looks like for you, right? Like for Sam Glover, you know, who founded Lawyerist, he wanted, like skateboards were a piece of of our culture, right? <laughs> like <Yes>. that was a <laughs> thing. And so if that's what you're building and creating, include that. If if you're not about skateboards and you're about like books and literature, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with something that's way different. Like you can create that thing. That's That's the thing. Like what I'm saying are just examples, but it has to be authentic to you and what you want to build. And it has to be clear. I think that goes back to the whole point of everything we've been talking about because this is a living thing. You're not just going to store it somewhere and leave it and never come back to it. It's the kind of thing where as your team grows or as you, you know, as it tends to happen with entrepreneurs, get distracted by something that's maybe a shiny object, this is your way to come back to it and go, is what I'm working on, are the priorities I'm setting for our team, are our 90-day goals, our six-week sprints, the way that we break down day-to-day work, is this aligned to get us to that vision? Because it will help you before you go too far down that road of focusing on things that are pulling your focus away from where you said you wanted to go, right? And that's why you have to have the connection to it yourself. Yes. When you're clear and you can articulate it in a very clear way, it allows everyone else on the team to to buy in as well. I was talking to someone yesterday and he was like, for the first time, he was having a really hard time getting his team members to do the systems. Like he's like, I created these systems. I'm trying to make their life easier and why won't they do it? And so we finally, I like I helped him and, and he he crafted a message where he was like, hey guys, this is what I'm trying to get us to. And this is how this piece ties in. And ultimately I'm trying to make your life easier. And he involved them in the process as well for kind of creating some of those processes. Everything started clicking. They are moving at warp speed now. Like he got on with me. He's like, I can't believe how fast we're going compared to how slow we were just six months ago. And it's because he had that clarity and then he could articulate it to his team. Now they can help him move fast. Yeah, it has to be everyone gets on board with it. I love that. So to tie things up, what are some of the biggest benefits that listeners can start to experience by really pulling back from this episode, taking the things you talked about and start to implement them? What can they really expect to to see? Yeah, I think you'll see decisions are easier, right? Because you know, like, this is a fit or it's not, right? You, you now have your guardrails. You have your your framework for decisions. So decisions come easier. Decisions come faster. I think you can avoid that getting distracted, you know, shiny objects. Or you mentioned this, getting distracted by what other people are doing. Because how many times are you looking at that competition and you and you think, well, I should be doing that? No. Like, when you're clear on what you're trying to do, 
you can get rid of that noise. Yeah. <laughs> and then another fun benefit is it's uh, personally lifting, right? Like you free yourself from some of the worry and anxiety and stress that comes from not knowing. I think when, you, when you're not clear, that's when you get murky. That's where that stress and anxiety love to kind of seep in and you start questioning, am I doing the right things? Am I making the right decisions? Where am I doing? Why am I doing, you know, that, that spiraling out of control that our brain likes to take us down. Like all that can go away because now we can free our mind from that. We have confidence. We feel secure about what we're doing. We know we're on the right path. And I mean, like there's a freeing that happens. Like your chest feels lighter and you're you're like, yeah, like I'm excited and I, I feel good about it. I love it. So homework for this episode is if you have never created that vision statement or if you have one and it's the one or two sentence one that's really vague about being an excellent law firm that serves clients or something like that, this is a good reminder to recalibrate and really make that be something that you are excited about that helps you to accomplish your goals. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Christopher Eng. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Mm-hmm.